In the next hour, we want to put a smile on your face, elevate your endorphins, and bring you happiness. Welcome to Say Yes, Be Happy with Natalie Botros. We spend so much of our lives chasing happiness, it might just be where you least expect it to be. Natalie and her guests are going to show you how and where to find it. And now, your host, Natalie Botros. Hi, everyone. I'm Natalie Botros, your host. Welcome to my podcast, Say Yes, Be Happy, where each week I interview another guest about another topic on our daily life. And both of us, me and my guests, we try to find the silver lining, the happiness in our lives. This week, we're going to talk about sex. (laughs) And I have a special guest for this week, as usual. She's a certified sex educator, creates seminars for women and men. She's also author of five books. Her books are How to Be a Great Lover, How to Give Her Absolute Pleasure, The Big O. I mean, we have to talk about that. (laughs) The Great Lover Playbook and Hot Mamas. Her books have sold over 3 million copies worldwide, translated into 28 languages, and represented in over 60 countries. She's joining me to share her expertise and discuss about sex and happiness, answer my questions and yours, actually. Please welcome Lou Paget. Hi, Lou. Hello. It's good to be here. I know. Like we're we're trying, we're planning this for the last month to have you on my show, and we did it. It's I'm like very excited. (laughs) So, excuse me. We're ready. We're ready. So, let's start from the beginning. How Mm -hmm. did you decide to get into the field of sex education and therapy? Um, As an educator, well, I was looking for the information for myself. And I have a hard sciences background. So biology, botany, microbiology, zoology, as I say, all the good stuff. Because I like to know how things work. Mm-hmm. So I look to see, I was looking for information for myself. I mean, if you think about it, we're all born of sex. It's where we all come from. Yet it's like one of those conversations that we never, it, it's a language that we have to learn without being taught the language. And I thought, okay, this is ridiculous. I'm going to go see what I can find for me because the main sources that I was looking at, and this was 20 years ago, was porn. Yeah. And I was like, well, this is someone else's fantasy. It's not what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm not going to sit in those positions. First off, they don't work. And secondly, they're really uncomfortable and it's not reality. So I started asking my friends, usually after a couple of adult beverages, what they did best or what someone did best for them. And you know, like in any area, you know when someone is giving you the real goods or if they're trying to embellish, they're trying to like sell themselves. So I would ask, and here's the thing, if you ever have to ask a tough question, sit beside someone, you know, don't stare okay. directly at them because any animal, that's like way too aggressive. <laughs> okay, and that's a good tip. <laughs> sit beside them and just ask. And they will invariably tell you what, what they know. So mm-hmm. people started sharing with me what their best ideas were. And I was collecting them. And I'm like a sponge. I basically only have to hear something once and it's downloaded. So my friends started saying, where did you get this information from? And I said, from so-and-so or from so-and-so. Or. And some of the best information that I got was from my gay friend, Brian, <laughs> who I said, okay. I, I was looking for information straight from the horse's mouth and that's how it got started. And then people found out that I had the information and they said, you've got to share it with us. I'm like, ah, no, 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 I'm not telling people I know this much about sex. <laughs> and they said, why? And I said, listen, I'm not a PhD. I'm not an MD. So they're going to be thinking I've been doing all of this stuff and I'm not going to put my, you know, good girl thing on, you know, have it torn apart. Of course. And I just wanted to know for me, so when I first started doing my seminars, I did them very, very privately. No one knew who I was. Um, I, it was sort of like an, like an underground thing that you had to know someone who knew someone in order to get into the seminars. And they were like, they were like that for like three years until I, I live in Los Angeles. And until I was at something <clears throat> and someone said, Lou, do you realize that someone is trying to do your seminars? And that made me so mad. Oh. I'm so furious, not because, hey, listen, I can't do everything everywhere. But what I've realized is they're not going to do it with the same heart and the same science behind it and the same attitude that I had. And 
So that was when I went public that I was doing these seminars. And it happened to be at a woman's 40th birthday party during a high tea at the Peninsula Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so you went from speakeasy seminars, let's say, to like you were out there. <laughs> I was out there. And it was literally, there's a group of women were sitting at this table, big, long table. And these women at the end, and I got there and I was a little late. I was wearing you know, a sweater, a jacket, whatever. And these women said, do you know that the woman who does those seminars is here? <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm going, okay, I know it's me. Let's see who they think it is. Yeah. So they looked down the table and there was a woman who had a very deep cut decollete and, you know, push up bra, everything, you know, was on display. And they're thinking, oh, well, it might be her. And I thought, well, if I didn't know it was me, who would I think it is? So that's one of those stereotypical things that we have that anyone who knows a lot in this area is going to have a certain look. And after they had chosen who they thought it was, you know, after my next, you know, last little sandwich that I had, I said, ladies, it's me. And they were like, what? <laughs> no, I said, it's me. <laughs> they were like, don't even look like that person. And when my first book came out, I said, I called up my father and I said, dad, I need to let you know there's a book that's coming out. It's in my name and it's about my seminars that I do. They're about oral and manual techniques in the area of sexuality. Um, and my dad is silent on the phone, uh, which, but parents know their kids, right? Yeah. So, and I said, dad, this is information from my seminars and it's going to be coming out. I want you to hear from me what it's about. So that when people ask you, you can say, well, she told me. And my father's only comment was, well, I don't believe I'm going to be reading it. <laughs> I said, don't worry, Dad, do not the target market. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So I got into it because I wanted the information for me that was accurate and I could blend the science with it. And that was how it got started. And I That's have a amazing. way taking the really complex subjects and making them simple. And my younger sister says, oh, you've done that your whole life. I said, I have? She says, yeah, you always have. I said, oh, it's the, the things that we do the most easily that we often don't give ourselves credit for. And that's the thing that can make people happy. Take yes. credit for the things you do most easily. Because for someone else, it's not easy. And that can make you happy. Oh, I love that. So let's talk about those exciting books. Your yeah. first book. How to Be yeah. a Great Lover. It was actually advice for women to give pleasure to men, right? Yes. yes. And then yeah. the second one, yeah. Okay. For people is- who can see, like she's showing, like it's it's a great book. And then the second one is like how to give her absolute pleasure. And then this one is like advice for men to please their woman. Well, it, it, it's kind of like if you have the operational body parts, yeah. this can be used by women for women. If you have a, you know, if you're in a gay relationship, which yeah. it has, um, this one could be used, you know, for a great men. lover. Yeah. yeah, this one. So, but the thing that made them the best sellers that they are is the illustrations on how to do the manual techniques. Oh, like that's great. Yeah. So they're step by step. And sometimes what people will do, the one, they will have will the book on the bed with them. <laughs> Holding the book like this and say, honey, rub your hands. They're often cold. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cute. Okay. No, and then it goes, okay, do this, do this, do this. And they do it step by step. And I, and it's like dance steps, right? Yeah. You don't have to know the entire choreography of something in order to enjoy dancing a particular way. But you can also observe someone dancing and go, oh, I think I'm going to try that. That's what this is. And I did them as line drawings in both in, okay, this is how to give her absolute pleasure. Ta-da. Yeah. And the little cherry on top. And by the way, these are not my lips. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, the big O, orgasms. All of these three were done with line drawings so that when people looked at them, they could see a figure, but it wasn't a human body. So they weren't going to go like this. Oh my God, it's a body. They yeah, it's, it doesn't porn. look like porn, let's say. Like, it's like, yeah, it's, exactly. you feel more at ease. Yes, yeah, so it's like hands or, and it's just, they're just line drawings. But when I did um, Hot Mamas and the Great Lover Playbook, those are for couples. So I did them with gray, they were, they were done with gray color. 
sort of like it's, um, you can see, <laughs> it's a great one to show. Um, <laughs> yeah. I came up with that. Uh, well, most to- of our listeners, they cannot see, but they can like, you know, like get the book and, see, and imagine, you know. <laughs> Dennis Grayscale. Anyways, that's, so the books literally came one after another because people said, if you're doing this here, you've got to do this. Exactly. I have to complete. Like, like any entrepreneur, I'd be like this. Okay. I come <laughs> from an entrepreneurial family. I was like, okay, that can be done. Okay. But when I got asked to do the first men's seminar, I, you know, I've never been with a woman. So, you know, I don't know, you know, what you do with women. I know what I do with me. <laughs> so my older sister is gay. So after I hung up the phone, making the arrangements for my first presentation for a bachelor's party, um, I called up my older sister and I said, okay, you're gay. You're with women. What do I need to know? <laughs> she told me. I was like, okay, good. That's great. <laughs> good information. And I just, and my gay friend, Brian, is the one who told me the things to do with men, which is why my first book was dedicated to him, Brian Thalheimer. Yeah. So the books literally took on a life of their own. That's and, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And just, and the orgasms book came out of people asking me, I'm having this happen. Is that okay? I'm having this happen. You know, I have an orgasm when my partner is stroking the inside of my thigh. What is that all about? Or I have orgasm when I'm lying on, you know, a massage table. They're not touching me anywhere, you know, genitally, but what can I, you know, what is this? And so I started asking one of my mentors, Beverly Whipple, who along with Lattice and Can wrote and created the G-Spot. They named the G-Spot for Ernst Grafenberg mm-hmm. for the differentiation area. And when I asked Beverly, I said, Beverly, I need to know, I'm going to be looking at writing a book about orgasms. And she had always given me great guidance in the field of sexuality. So when that happened, I said, okay, I'll do a book on orgasms. That's amazing. <laughs> people were saying, they were asking me, am, am I okay? And I'm like, well, did you enjoy yourself first? <laughs> but, and then I put it, and it's not that everyone has to have, women can have a lot of different types of orgasms. Yeah, I was going to talk about that because like on an on, on a, on a interview, you were saying women have 10 types of orgasms and men eight. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what it is, is that they're not having them all at the same time, but it means that there's different areas of the body that can be stimulated. And depending on how your nerve system operates, it can be highly pleasurable for you. So for, you know, women, some women can have orgasms strictly from kissing from the mouth. And if you think about it, when you are highly, highly, you know, aroused, and that would have been something that would have happened like in the 40s and the 50s where they couldn't do, they could not go on to intercourse for fear of pregnancy or, you know, not being a virgin or for whatever, you know, reasons. Uh, but a woman can have an orgasm strictly from kissing, from uh, nipple stimulation, same thing for men, uh, the clitoris, obviously, the urethra, which is surprising to people, but it shouldn't be because the urethra is surrounded on three sides by the clitoris because the clitoris is actually, is more like a, um, like there's a bulb up here and then it comes down with two legs. Mm-hmm. So it's much bigger than most people have any idea. And that was a paper that was presented that was something I can talk about with Beverly Whipple. Um, the urethra, so here we go, mouth, nipple, breast, clitoris, urethra, uh, the G-spot area, the anterior fornix erotic zone, that's further back up into the vaginal vault, uh, the cervix itself. For some women, it's very that deep, very deep penetration. And there's actually two sets of nerves in the pelvic area for both women and for men that can be stimulated. One is the, the pudendal nerve system and the other is the pelvic hypogastric nerve system. So, and that's why a G-spot orgasm, which feels very different from a clitoral orgasm because the clitoris is enervated, many of the nerves, by the pudendal nerve system. And the G-spot area and the anterior fornix erotic zone and the cervix are the pelvic hypogastric, which has a more bigger pushing out feeling of stimulation. Then there's anal stimulation for some, highly pleasurable. And for many women, how that gets eroticized 
is during pregnancy if they can't um, have intercourse or if they're in a uh, culture where they have to maintain virginity prior to marriage, they will have anal intercourse and that happens worldwide. Yeah. Um, then there's stone orgasms, which is an area not typically considered erotic. Then we have fantasy orgasms and these are women who can orgasm just by fantasizing. And I want to know about that seminar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then there are core orgasms, which that's a new one. All of the core work that people are doing now, like with, you know, core aerobics and everything. Think about that. It's got all the, it's very aerobic. And then you've got the strengthening of the core. And it usually happens after a strong aerobic workout. And then when they're doing crunches and, what are the things that, you know, power orgasms, blood and oxygen. So when you've done a, you know, a strong aerobic workout, you've got more there and hello, thank you. And these women, I had one woman who said she was military and she said, the last thing I was going to let anybody know is that I was having an orgasm while I'm doing my workout. Uh-huh. I mean, like, <laughs> that's like, that's revolutionary. She's Listeners, she's this is a good excuse to work out. Exactly. Lou, I, I think we're like, we're going to take a short break and then come right. back. We're, we're talking with Lou Paget about your sexual happiness, health. And um, after the break, we'll continue. But I want to talk about that workout orgasm. That's very interesting. So see you in a bit. Thank you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Is something missing from your life and you can't define what it is? Are you someone who seems to have it all, yet are missing the most important thing, to be happy? The Hungry for Happy online course may just be what you need now. Natalie Botros has created this course for you to find happiness, regardless of your body issues and or relationship status. Take the online questionnaire now to find out if this is a good match for you at thebond-vivantgirl.com and click Happiness Course. Whatever your budget, Natalie, the happiness fairy, has set up plans to help everyone find their happiness. Get a preview of the curriculum before you take the happiness plunge. Visit the bond-vivantgirl.com and click happiness course. In Natalie's own words, What do you have to lose? Say yes. Be happy. The Hungry for Happy online course is waiting for you now at the bond-vivantgirl.com. Streaming live. The leader in internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Say Yes, Be Happy. To reach our show today, we invite you to phone in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to bvg at thebond-vivantgirl.com. Now, back to Say Yes, Be Happy. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Natalie Botros, your host, and I'm talking with Lou Paget. Just before the break, we were talking about the 11 ways of women can get orgasms. And the last one was a big revealing shocker that if you work out, if you do crunches, you can get an orgasm. <laughs> so it's possible. So maybe it's a good motivation to move your body and to do some crunches. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and, yeah. And it's something that... It surprises most people when it happens. Of course. I'm like, no kidding. (laughs) You don't expect. (laughs) That's a surprise (laughs) orgasm. So what about men? They have as many orgasms or? No, they're not. They're, you know, their physiology isn't as complicated as ours. So that, you know, they're not able to have as many internal. Um, They can do, you know, mouth, nipple, breast. Um, You know, it's rare that it's not. These are not necessarily common but -hmm. they do happen and when i wrote the big o i wanted to have people know that what they were having happen was normal and other people had it happen and beverly whipple who was one of my mentors she is you know an expert in the area of female orgasm and i sent my manuscript to her and i said beverly can you vet this for me Mm -hmm. and 
she came back and she said, Lou, you haven't missed a thing, which was very high praise. But, and again, for both of us, we want to make sure that we're giving people the science behind things and that it makes them feel comfortable and it doesn't have them feel like there's something odd about them. Of course. Happens, well, you're okay. So for men, mouth, obviously, nipple, breast area, penis, no kidding, um, <laughs> anal, um, the prostate. And that is the, you know, that is going into, you know, the man's rectum and then having your finger come with a come here motion onto the prostate. And the reason the prostate is so sensitive on either side of it are the nerves that literally allow the blood flow to go into the penis and engorge the penis. So for many men, that stimulation is highly pleasurable and has an orgasm that is even bigger than just normal, you know, manual stimulation or, you know, whatever stimulation of the penis. They can also have zone orgasms where, again, an area not typically associated with being um, genital or mm -hmm. erotic. They can have fantasy orgasms as well. And, you know, and then they have blended orgasms for both, for both women and for men. So you might have two areas being stimulated at the same time that will create, and most times for women, it's vaginal G-spot or clitoral G-spot, and for men, prostate and penis. Okay. So it, it means that for me, I want people to know their bodies operate, you know, uniquely to them. There were uh, researchers by the name of Hartman, Fithian, and Campbell who were just north of San Diego, and they coined the term orgasmic fingerprint, which I think is great. And what it means is that this is why we, if you watch porn, to think that you're supposed to have everything happen a certain way, it's nonsense. Basically, the, you know, the positioning in porn isn't doing things for the women in the first place. It's going for the money shot. Thank you. But the orgasmic fingerprint means that that's how uniquely you orgasm. And, you know, not that I've asked in great detail, but I have an identical twin sister. And the things that she fantasized about are not what I was interested in. The things that she did for her own self-pleasure are not what I would do. But when I wrote my books, I never talk about me, ever. It is about everyone else. I want that information. Again, when you're talking in this subject area, if you talk about yourself, people are imagining you doing it, you know, and their brain goes like this, goes outside of their yeah. body, back in. But I want the information to be for the person who's hearing it or reading it. That's why the line drawings in the first three books. Yeah. So you raise a lot of like questions in my head. The first of all is like, the topic of like people learning about sex on porn or like on those books where it's impossible. They think that like the first time someone can have pleasure, you know, like a woman, like her first time she will have orgasm or like, you know, like every time a woman can come to climax. So all these kind of ruins the, the healthy sexual life of people. Because like right. they believe in this, that's the only, I mean, they all have access to it. There are like so many free porn websites. And then like, it's like, it's not normal. So what do you think about that? Well, here's, we got, you know, a couple of layers of misinformation mm -hmm. that get in the way of people having pleasure and being happy with what they're doing with their bodies. Mm -hmm. First off is the stuff coming out of any movie that makes it seem like all you have to do is get a woman up against a wall and in two minutes she's going to have like a, <laughs> a whipping orgasm or something, or they're going to fall on the bed and everything's going to be like, you know, this. That is, you know, the rom-coms, you know, listen, they can't take the whole amount of time in the movie to show how long it takes for, you know, a woman to receive the pleasure that she wants. They have to do it within 30 seconds uh, or give a suggestion of it in 30 seconds. Of then course. with the, you know, with the adult stuff, you've got people who are, I mean, the main thing that's going on now are the cam girls who are, they are at home, so they're safer. They've got their clientele and they will ask them to do particular things. But I've also had, you know, cam girls who have said, uh, you know, I'm not doing, you know, this stuff anymore. They're asking me to do so many degrading things to myself. I'm not doing this. And, but if people think that watching someone else's sexual, you know, behavior is going to help them, so be it. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But if it's a scripted thing, it's almost like thinking that reality TV and is your world. It's not. You know, that's not real. Of course. And 
And when people are saying, oh, well, I'm going to record myself and see what it looks like, you might not be so happy. <laughs> it, it doesn't look that good. <laughs> no, no, no. We don't have the filters and we don't have the, you know, but there are many times that people do, you know, record themselves, you know, so be it. My comment to them is whatever you do, do not post it anywhere. No. Hello, of course. So the, the question is like, what is the right way to learn and to have a good sexual life? Like if there are any tips that you can advise to our listeners about having a good sex life, basically. Bottom line is you have to know about your own body. First off, if you don't know what is pleasurable for you, you're not going to be able to guide someone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it, our sexuality and uh, is a language that we have to learn. Like we're not all born speaking Mandarin or speaking, you know, Hindi or speaking English. We all have to learn. And our sexuality is the same thing. But typically we get, you know, we learn from our equally ill-informed friends and peers And then we have to try and unlearn things. Like one of the reasons why most men are so fast when during sex is because that's how they learned when they were masturbating. Because the last thing they wanted to have happen was to have their mother catch them. <laughs> so it's like fast. They have to like run, run, run. <laughs> Or they're in a shower. Yeah. <laughs> and they've got to make sure, you know, like can't have anyone, you know, yeah. seeing what they're doing here. So everything is in speed up. So they learn to do everything, have a very fast response when they're younger. And also, you know, it's like the wind blows and they get an erection. But then they spend the rest of their life slowing it down. And, you know, who wants to spend their time trying to do math problems when you're in the middle of having sex? So that, you know, you're focusing on it. But you have to know your own body first. Then you have to have someone who is a partner that will listen. You can go to different places. Listen, there's many different people who are sex educators. There's a lot more of them now who are certified. Who, but, you know, someone who goes on and is telling you all about their own sexual experience, I would be leery of. Because that is, as we say, you know, an N of one. It's a, you know, it's a population of one. Okay. Okay, that's their experiences. But it's a, it's a, layered, it's a layered learning curve. It's not simple. It's, you know, it can be simplified, but for most people, they're going to have to learn what they know best themselves. And for women, you know, it's often by the time they're in their 30s that they are, okay, they're more confident about their body. They're more aware of what they like. Mm -hmm. And because most times for young women, they're learning from someone who might be a year to two years older than them. And I, when I was brought in one time to Cosmo magazine when Kate White was the editor-in-chief. And she, they were, she, she said at one point, we have to declare a moratorium on Lou's work because we have seven of the articles this month and she's in every one of them. We have to, so they brought me in for, into their boardroom and they were just firing questions at me. So, you know, I was in New York doing a seminar. And then I said, okay. I said, Ladies, may I ask you a question? And they said, sure. I said, what's the number one question you get asked? And it was, how can I have an orgasm during intercourse? Now, the majority, the average age of the Cosmo demographic is much younger than people had anticipated. It skews, it's skewed much younger. So mm -hmm. they were 14, 15. And by the way, at that time, it was the number one read magazine on college campuses by males. By males. Interesting. Because yeah, they wanted to know what women wanted. Okay. Uh, like in Britain, the two columns that are, are, are the most popular, and it will used to be the most popular in the newspapers. One was the sports section, obvious. And the second was the agony aunt column, you know, the way the women write in to get advice from the woman. Yeah. That, that, that was the second most popular column. Okay. So if the girls are being told when they're younger, This statement, well, all of my other girlfriends had orgasms. Uh, no, they didn't. When no. I do it. <laughs> True. And they're like, you, the, the, these young girls, they think that they're frigid or there's a problem with them because there's of, something wrong with them. Yeah, there exactly. Is. Because the expectation is so high from them. It's, it's so unreal that it's, yeah. it's not. You're, you're supposed to enjoy, you know, this being done to you and that being done to you. And it isn't enjoyable. And, you know, he can get it up 
great, but, you know, that's nice. But he isn't doing the things that she needs in order to have her sexual happiness. And it takes a while before women realize, and they speak to someone else and go, did this work for you? And they're like this, no. (laughs) And that's when they start getting the confidence and realizing, oh, this is nonsense. And, but finding a source that will tell you the truth. That's, that's the biggie. And that's what people came to me for. Because I would say, okay, this is, you know, and, and the one question I will never answer, what is the average number of times people should be having sex in a week or in a month? And you know why I won't answer it? Because whatever the answer is, someone's going to get beaten up. Yeah. Someone's going to say, well, she said, <laughs> and we didn't do it. Yeah. No, it's she true. He is not saying. And I say, listen, it depends on the couple, depends on the person. It depends it, on your time, <laughs> on your schedule, I guess. Exactly. Exactly. So if you do you have the time? For many people, one of the most, you know, seductive things someone can do for them is to let them sleep, particularly if they have kids. Yeah. So you, you see clients, they come like alone in couple, like you have most of your clients are women, men, like how does it work? Let's well, say I, I'm calling you and I want to be your client and how it yeah. works. <laughs> uh, they, they can do it. Um, usually it's like a Zoom call mm-hmm. or a computer phone. Some people are a little more shy. Um, and But I often, if it's a couple who want to have something spoken about, I will speak to them separately. And the reason for that is they will often tell me something that they really should be telling their partner. And I will ask one question. Have you told them this? (laughs) And invariably they're like this. No. (laughs) I said, well, you need to. You really need to. And say it to them as you said it to me. So I will will have people, you know, uh, one-on-one, and I will let them know, I'll do a 15-minute phone interview with them to see whether or not this is something I can help them with. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to waste their time or their money. Of course. I mean, if it's a physical thing that may, needs to be addressed, they may not even know that. Um, if it's something that is more of dealing with past things that they're you know, having happen, and I'll use an example of a woman who was 50, or, 50 years old. Her husband had died. She was a very successful attorney. She phoned me and she wanted to know, you know, how she can go about, you know, getting herself back into, you know, dating. And she was actually seeing someone at that time who was one of her husband's best friends, who he, uh, he was divorced. And she was like, I cannot believe. She said, this is just not right. And I was like, why is it not right? And she said, I have such lust in my heart for this man. I said, do you not think he'll think that's great? Yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> It's like, it's like, hallelujah, someone thinks this way about me. I said, he would love to know that. And she was like, he would? I said, uh, yes. And I said, who told you that lust was not okay? And she just said very softly, my mother. I went, oh, okay. Here we go. Let's unwrap this one. <laughs> Your mom didn't give you the accurate information here. You feeling this way about this man? She said, I never felt about my husband this this way. I said, so you didn't. So you do now. I said, all you need to know is that this is a healthy, something that someone would love to know. You feel that way about them. And, And it wasn't until I said, you know, you're okay. And this is fine. She, no one had ever told her that because she had been raised in a very strict religious background. And that is one of the things that I take a lot of exception to how religion deals with female sexuality. The number one thing most religions want to do is control female sexuality. So number one, number one thing, they don't want to control the guys, but they want to control the women. Yeah, it's, it's, it's true. It's some religions can, can kind of block it, I presume. But I mean, in a couple also, it's like, I think the most important thing is communication between them. As you said, yeah. So, exactly. So we we're about to take our second break. Listeners, you can still call us. We have one more segment left, or you can send me an email or send a question after on Facebook. 
But um, just after the break, we will talk because if you have no questions, I have some questions, more questions for Lou. So see you in a bit and thank you. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Is something missing from your life and you can't define what it is? Are you someone who seems to have it all, yet are missing the most important thing, to be happy? The Hungry for Happy online course may just be what you need now. Natalie Botros has created this course for you to find happiness, regardless of your body issues and or relationship status. Take the online questionnaire now to find out if this is a good match for you at thebond-vivantgirl.com and click Happiness Course. Whatever your budget, Natalie, the happiness fairy, has set up plans to help everyone find their happiness. Get a preview of the curriculum before you take the happiness plunge. Visit the bond-vivantgirl.com and click happiness course. In Natalie's own words, What do you have to lose? Say yes. Be happy. The Hungry for Happy online course is waiting for you now at the bond-vivantgirl.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Say Yes, Be Happy. To reach our show today, we invite you to phone in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to bvg at thebond-vivantgirl.com. Now, back to Say Yes, Be Happy. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Natalie Botros, your host. I'm talking with Lou Paget about finding your happiness in your sexual life. And just before the break, she was telling us about... The, the clients that she gets, like the, the main problem that they have most of the time is the lack of communication. And now during the break, I just got a question for you, Lou. Um, someone is asking, I know every woman is different on what they like, but do you have any recommendations on how to find someone orgasmic fingerprint? Well, here's the thing. Yes, each woman orgasms uniquely to her, but again, it depends on where she might be in her cycle how stressed she is, how much sleep she's had, if she has, you know, any alcohol in her system or something, it's going to change what her response pattern is. So knowing, you know, that you have one way of doing something and, oh, here's the example I was going to share with you. I had a couple who came to see me. I was doing part of a show and they were people, the producer had met them in their church. They were a young couple, just had a daughter who was about nine months old, and they both had been previous, you know, star athletes. So great bodies, great shape, had great sex all the time until they had their daughter. And now they are, they're not having any sex. Their sleep is, they're doing a parenting bed. That's one of the best, you know, uh, birth control devices known to man is to have a child sleep in your bed with you. (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) obviously. And they, they said, you know, they wanted to get, she said, I want to get back to the good loving that we had. And so again, I spoke with her first and I asked her, I said, what is it? And she said, we just don't have time. We used to have time. And I said, are you, you know, would you be interested in trying any marital aids slash vibrators? And she was like, absolutely. And I said, okay. Cause I said, if you have limited time, you don't have a lot of time to do build up. I said, you want to just you know, get to the pleasure between the two of you. She said, that is exactly what I want. So the husband comes in. Now they're both very religious. And I said to him, you know, what are the things you do? And he goes, well, I do. This is so male. I, I, I just wanted to hug him. He was so cute. And he goes, well, I do this. And then, then I go to this. And then I, then I, then I go to this. And then I, then I, then I go to this. And I said, my God, that's exhausting. <laughs> he said, well, it does. It does take time. <laughs> and I said, would you be interested or would you consider using some marital aids? And he goes, oh, no, not at all. 
No, no, that's for other people. I said, would it surprise you to know that your wife said she absolutely would use them? He was like, what? I said, yeah. I said, you guys don't have a lot of time. And I said, if your baby is sleeping, you have limited time before the baby wakes up again. And yeah, I got a little video from him the following two weeks afterwards. And he was like this, oh, whoa. I mean, he was like this, da, 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 da. he was doing his happy dance. Yeah. <laughs> he said, we are back to having our sex life. He said, and that's the thing. To find someone's orgasmic fingerprint, you have to know lots about them. You have to know what type of pleasure is the best for them. Is it manual? Because for most women, they have their best orgasms as a result of manual or oral stimulation, not from penile vaginal. And also... It's mainly for women if the woman is on top, because the person on top is the one who's controlling the motion. But it's the heat and the moisture and the constant stimulation that is what works with manual and oral. And one of the best oral techniques ever is called the Kiven Method, which is in Hot Mama's Great Lover Playbook and Orgasms. And it's instead of going straight on between a woman's legs, it's on the side. So you're stimulating actually over the clitoral hood, which is where the clitoral nerves run. Yeah. And almost, and it's a constant stimulation. So. Yeah. So it's like creating the energy around, let's say, and then like, and then finally focusing. Is that it? But, well, here's the thing too, for many women, it's, they don't, they want to have the stimulation constantly but they also need to be able to give a feedback loop. And so we're thinking about the orgasmic fingerprint. You're going to use a finger on the, on the perineum area, which is the area between the entry into the vagina and the anus. That is the area when you are stimulating with your tongue that you will feel pre-orgasmic contractions. That's your immediate feedback loop. And it is one of the fastest and quickest ways to have a woman orgasm during oral sex. And it's called the Kiven. Kiven's not a person. I don't know who Kiven is. Dr. Patty is the one I heard about this at the World Association of Sexology in Paris. And I was like, wow, what's this? <laughs> and I said, I said, I need to know. <laughs> but it's something for each person. It depends on, you know, how relaxed they are. Some of the best sex people have is when they're on vacation. Well, no kidding. It's because they don't have any pressure. They have to be, you know, do things together. You know, I've had couples who she wanted to do a surprise birthday for her husband's 60th birthday. And he said, well, you know, I want to, I want to have great sex. And she's kind of like this. Well, thanks. What, you know, what have we been having? And <laughs> so I had her create his, the ultimate fantasy for him. They were both dancers. So she had legs for days. So she, I had her get this little sling. She was in the sling. She was in the French maid's outfit. She was, had on little stockings and, you know, she was, had everything and he knew nothing about this. This was his surprise. But you know, and also in the world that we're in right now, there's many more variances of what people want to do. Some people want to try kink, some people want to do kink. And again, it depends on how they define kink. Exactly what I was gonna ask you, like kink can be a range of different exactly. things. Exactly. And you know, some people want to be in a monogamous relationship. Some people want to be in an open relationship. Some people want to be in what, you know, polyamorous relationship, but open and polyamorous relationships, they require a lot of negotiation and honesty. And you can't just bring someone in, you know, that you've been having, you know, an affair with and say, I want this relationship to be open. Some relationships open and then they close. And also, you know, as Dr. Helen Fisher talks about, women's sexuality is much more variable throughout a woman's life. And women are much more, you know, prone and much more predilection to bisexuality than men are. And the reason, one of the things that they don't talk about this in a lot of sex research is because sex research has had such a male bias. And it hasn't been about, I mean, when I, Beverly Whipple, who's one of my mentors, when she wrote one of her books, um, The Science of Orgasm, they were looking at the research and they were like 17,000 research articles on male sexual issues. There were five for women, you know, 5,000 for women. You know, who, you know, if we're into a straight world, who are these men having sex with? 
<laughs> themselves, maybe. I don't know. It's like it's like and the thing about you know affairs. Majority of affairs occur because of someone's paying attention. They don't occur because of sex. The majority of them. I mean, like I think emotional affairs is worse than sexual affairs because you fall in love, basically. So, yeah. and you know, when I wrote you know, the Great Lover Playbook, it was based on another one of my mentors, Bernie Zilbergeld, who said. He gave me the definition of great lover that it isn't necessarily, these are not necessarily people who are having intercourse. Some of them may not be able to, but it's how they perceive themselves as a great lover. And, you know, the stories of people telling me how I, my husband and I hold you completely responsible for our baby girl. Um, it, you know, it doesn't get better than that. A woman telling me that her husband, you know, her sister, um, who was very, very much wanted to, have a form of penetration with her husband who happened to be in a wheelchair and not be able to have an erection. They were married, they had a son, but she wanted this and she came to see me. We went through all the things that she could do. The number one thing was having a thigh harness on his leg with a dildo in it so that he could hold her and she could have the feeling of penetration. That's what she was wanting and missing. And so she said, it's like, oh, goody. She went back down to, you know, where they live. They very high profile. And her husband was like this. He didn't even want to hear about it. And she was like, I felt like I'd just been handed, you know, this box of all these treasures. A month later, she comes home, her husband's sitting on the couch. He had seen all the books that he'd been given, the, the brochures and everything. And he had then gone out and bought everything that he wanted. And she was like this, wow. <laughs> um, and my friend said, I want you to know you saved my sister's marriage. But people will come and ask, and what they want is they want someone who will tell them, what, you know, is this okay? What's the science behind it? Um, you know, a couple flew out from New York to see me, and they wanted to know, they actually wanted me to watch them having sex yeah. and critique them. And I said, I wouldn't do that. I said, but I know, you know, some, you know, therapists, you know, who would, but... What they wanted was they were outside of their own environment. They were having an affair. Um, the phone rings and she looks over and she goes, it's your wife. <laughs> I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> but, you know, whatever floats their boat and if it's consensual, it's like the kink world. Of course, know? yeah. It's safe, sane and consensual. Go for it. You know, the, the happiness hormones that, that occur with, you know, when we are being intimate. And I prefer to use, you know, the term intimate with things because it is something that makes intimacy is something that you have with someone. You know, sex is often something you do. But when you are intimate with someone, it's you know something more about them. So we don't need to have great sex to have to be happy. We have to have intimacy. Well, I would say that if you want to have everyone's great sex is their definition. But I don't want people to feel they have to have X amount or do this or feel this way or have, you know, the image of what they'll see in a romance comedy. That's not the real world. Mm -hmm. The real world is your world, however it occurs, you know, and many of us were given really bad information growing up, you know, the control, you know, control the female sexuality You know, but what people want is they want to know that their body can work. And anyone who has had an injury or has had some type of, you know, impairment, those people are very creative with what they do when it comes to toys or positioning. And they're very aware of, you know, if they have to take medications. Medications are one of the biggest things that wipes out people's libidos, antidepressants, anti-anxiety. They are... And for some people, it wipes them out completely and it never comes back. Genital anesthesia, they don't feel anything. They can't orgasm. And, you know, if it's really hard to find a study on it because so many people have so many medications that they're being given that it's cut and can't really tease it out. But Dr. Stuart Shipko in Pasadena is the one who put together a paper with another woman on couples with this. And that's something that many times people don't realize. And I sadly had one woman who she didn't know, and I didn't know. 
that she was on antidepressants and that is what had wiped out her libido. She, she said, I couldn't feel anything. I can't orgasm. And I didn't know at that time that that's what, what it was linked back to. Yeah. So we have to, again, I think like everything really is about communication and like putting the information out there. And if you're in a committed relationship, especially like you don't have to hide, you don't have to be ashamed of it. It's just like, talk about it. And then otherwise you can contact Lou. We're about to wrap up. If people want to contact you, how they can find you. Uh, Best way is a simple email, loupadget at AOL.com. Okay. And so listeners, send her, if you were ashamed to ask any questions during the show, just send her her, your questions or if you want to have a consultation. And And I'm the only only one who Perfect. (laughs) No one else, there's there's no stock answers. Everything, I, I try to get to the bottom. And if I don't, if I can't get the answer, I will know someone who can. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, so uh, we're going to say goodbye to Lou. I will meet, I will see all of you and hear that you can listen to me next week on my show. It's going to be about hypnosis with Jack Elias. And until then, I wish you a great week and thank you for listening to me. And don't forget to rate and comment me on Apple Podcasts. Have an amazing week. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Say Yes, Be Happy. Please join Natalie Botros for another show next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Listen to this program again or any of our past episodes on demand and on your favorite podcast platform. Until next time, keep saying yes and find your happiness. 